Pushed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Benyera, beautifully done, sensational. Coming up on Le Bourgeois, Memphis Depay makes sure Lyon finish as official winter champions. Is he the best player in France right now? Pochettino gets his first win as PSG get the better of Brest. And Lille return to winning ways as the Ligue 1 Uber Eats title race becomes tighter than the Line 9 of the Paris Metro at L'Heure de Pointe in normal times. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the official League on Uber Eats podcast in uh, collaboration with BT Sport. Robbie Thompson, how are you this morning? Matthew, very good. Refreshed and looking forward to a, another big week and a, and a Trophée des Champions on Wednesday night. A classic. Indeed, you're looking well. You're cleanly shaven, which is uh, unusual. Yeah, which is, yes, Armel, true. not so clean. New Year resolution. Clean, cleanly shaven. How are you, Armel? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, feeling refreshed like Robbie and... I guess looking forward to the Trophée des Champions as well. Busy weekend for Armel Tanguy. He uh, often the commentaries we we do, particularly in the uh, in the current climate, in the context of of COVID, we're we're commentating mainly off tube from a commentary booth uh, in Paris. Armel, like Robbie, was at the stadium commentating his game. Robbie was at the Parc des Princes. Armel was at Roison Park, arguably the big game, the biggest game from uh, round nineteen. Ren versus Leon Ren who uh, were resurgent four wins and a draw from their five games going into this one Leon um, who were quite simply top of the league let's hear what happened from Brittany Doku in towards Terry eight back for Grenier and Ren take the lead Clement Grenier Leon Boy now Doku again into Grenier for Bourigeau. Saved by Lopez. Bourigeau second time. Doubles Rennes lead. Benjamin Bourigeau. The ever-present in Rennes' side this season gives them what could be a very important two-goal lead. Shecky again. Lifts it up towards the back post for Maxwell Cornet. Back across it goes for Memphis Depay. And Leon do have a goal. It's Memphis Depay. I said he'd been quiet, and there was his answer. Memphis Depay takes it short, gets it back from Corne, and delivers a delicious ball for Jason Denier to head Leon level. A wonderful cross from Memphis Depay, who scored the first and then provides for the second. So, Armel, a really good performance from Wren, but they couldn't see it through. 2 0 up, and then uh, those two quick fire goals from uh, Leon securing a point that it didn't look like they were going to get. That point, by the way, enough to keep Leon just ahead of the chases in the Ligue 1 title race. One point clear of PSG and Lille. Um, were Wren left kicking themselves at the final whistle? Yeah, I think so. Um, that would have been a big three points for them in the in the hunt for automatic Champions League qualification come the end of the season. You look at this month of January, they've got Marseille and Paris Saint-Germain to come. So that really would have given them a, a good shot in the arm going into those games. But I think they've got that shot in the arm anyway because of the way they played on Saturday night. They were dominant. Um, and we're going to come to this debate in a few minutes. But had it not been for Leon's Dutch number 10, um, they would have won that game. Uh, so I think there are lots of positives for Julien Stefan to, to work with in the coming weeks. Ren were very good. Armel, why, why are things suddenly improving? Ren struggled, we know, when they had the Champions League campaign. Mm. Um, they lost a bit of confidence, I think, from, uh, from the defeats uh, that they were getting in Europe, why are things suddenly improving? I think in, in midfield, uh, when Eduardo Camavinga was was out of form, so towards the sort of October, November, even a little bit into December, Camavinga wasn't quite in, in the form that he'd been showing at the start of the season and, and last season in particular. And Ren had become reliant on him in midfield, transitioning from defence to attack. Um, maybe other teams had become 
aware of that tactic and were giving Camavinga less space, or perhaps he was just out of form a little. Ren have had to adapt, um, play a different game. Benjamin Bourijo, although he's the midfield member that's not part of the French national team setup alongside Nzonzi and Camavinga, who are, he is just so important to Ren. He's the only outfield player, well, the only player in their team that's played in every Ligue 1 game so far for them. He runs more kilometres than any of his teammates. He's very important to them. And Clément Grenier is back to form, two goals in three games. So there's stability in that midfield now. Jeremy Doku, who we'll come to in a little bit, is looking better and better with every passing game. Um, once they get Seru Girassi back from injury, who of course was injured late November in Strasbourg, once they get him back, I think there'll be a real, real competition. Mbainyong just rested for Martin Terrier, because we haven't seen that much of Martin Terrier, or I haven't seen that much of him since his switch to, to Ren this season. I thought after Girassi was injured, we'd see Mbainyong back more mm. regularly. He's, I think he's only got one goal, yeah, so yeah, far just, in Ligue Just the one goal at Nice, yeah. Um, it's difficult to tell, isn't it, in this January period when you've got a player like that on the... Because also Adrian Unu was on mm-hmm. the bench, who's usually been filling in for Mbainyong up front. Interesting to see Martin Terrier playing in that number nine role. Um, I spent the whole first half saying uh, he's not used to this. Uh, he's used to playing out wide. Then at half time he goes... Oh, I'm really happy. This is this is where I grew up playing. Yeah, no, because so. he's he's complained about being used out wide mm. all the time because it has kind of been his position, but by default almost. Yeah, well, he said he was really enjoying himself, but he touched the ball only about 15 times at half time. Although one of them was a beautiful pullback for the first goal. But um, but yeah, and I'm by Neong. I don't know. I, I feel like something's broken down between him and Julien Stefan and, and he might be on his way out because he was their top scorer last season with 15 goals. Why he suddenly disappeared is a mystery to me. If we're looking for reasons why they struggled, yes, I think there was the Champions League, which I think was a, a big deal for them. There was also, I don't know if it's if it's behind the scenes or things going on, but the, the sale of Rafinha in the mm. last hours of the transfer window and Rafinha saying, I didn't want to go anywhere. We were about to play Champions League football. That was all a bit... A bit weird, and uh, and they sort of said, Ren said, well, with bonuses, we're going to make a, a handy little return on on this deal, so it's a good deal for us. But then they'd brought in Girassi because they thought Mbanyong was leaving. They sort of froze Mbanyong out as well when Girassi was back. And Girassi's a very good player, but it always takes a centre forward a little time to settle into a to a new squad. Camavinga was also struggling a little bit physically after his France call ups, and you know, for a young player, a teenager, you have to sort of digest. That as well, and suddenly playing for your national team. There, there are lots of little reasons yeah. why why they struggled, and perhaps the end of the Champions League and a bit of confidence and a bit more time sees them come back to the team they are. Yeah, we talked about their brilliant mercato. They they certainly made some some really good signings on paper, but they haven't all come off. Dalbert, um, the left back, hasn't come off. Alfred Gomez, who came in to to replace. Um, uh, the Chelsea goalkeeper Edward Mendy, Edward Mendy um, has lost his place now after mm. some unconvincing performances um, who was the third one yeah Rugani the Italian defender has been mm-hmm. injured he's a very experienced player we thought that'd be a great signing he's Dalbert he's, he's well. hardly played I mentioned yeah, Dalbert, yeah. Yeah. so no it, but it's Dalbert difficult. has hardly featured at yeah, all yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so look they're in the mix 33 points now Ren they're um, six points behind PSG and Lille, seven points off uh, title pace. So, you know, they're back to uh, good form, four wins and, and and two draws, and we'll have to keep our eyes on them in the second half of the season. Um, but Leon will definitely be happy, I think, to come away, having been 2-0 down away to Rennes, to come away with a point. It was very much Memphis Depay who inspired the comeback with a, a brilliant sort of chest and volley to make it 2-1 and then a quickly taken free kick and then he whipped over across that Jason Denier uh, headed in. Uh, Robbie, you watch Neymar and Mbappe a lot on a regular basis. I'm loving Memphis Depay at the moment and I'm wondering if he is the best player in Ligue 1 Uber Eats. He's playing very, very well. <laughs> no, I like Memphis Depay because I think he has, aside from fantastic technique and, and vision, and I remember a, a pass a couple of weeks ago that released Kadawere for for I think the third goal, uh, who then scored Against Nice, yeah. Yeah, against Nice. Just a magnificent, magnificent pass, threading the needle. He's that kind of player that on the pitch delivers, but above all, he's a leader for that team and he's got the ego and the shoulders to carry this Leon team. 
it's it's fantastic to see them scoring goals. Kadawiri, Toko Akambi, that they've pushed Dembele out of the side is is incredible and a, and a great thing for Leon to have so many attacking options. Lucas Paqueta, as we said last week, has has come to form as well. But are you not a little bit worried that for an hour you struggle against a Ren side away, a Ren side who have had problems this season, if, even if they have won four in a row, that they're that they're they're bouncing back. I mean. It's it's great to look at Leon as this side that showed great character. They held on to top spot. They are top of the league, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But also that you know they they showed that they're not quite the finished product just yet. I think for that first I think, hour, I think you worry, but I think the restart is very difficult because there are, there's full round of matches Wednesday night, full round of matches Saturday night, and I think for the managers it will be more a case of getting results rather than turning in big performances. But of course, but of course, it's something that that Rudy Garcia will be wary of, and he said this wasn't the Leon. Um, that I know that play quick passing football, you know, for for an hour, it wasn't there. But Armel Memphis has said, not especially cryptically, he's effectively said, I'm staying till the end of the season and mm-hmm. then maybe there'll be a new challenge for me. So, you know, his contract is up in the summer and it's looking like he's going to stay and, uh, and leave Leon on a free in the summer. But uh, if Leon get a focused, informed Depay for the next five or six months, he could do, they could do fantastic things. Yeah, and in answer to the question that you asked Robbie, I think at the moment he is the best player in Ligue 1 because he offers so much to that Lyon team. He he drops deep, uh, he, he he creates, he's involved in, in the way the team plays. He's got the armband this season, so he, he has to lead his team. If we're going to compare the other two players, you know, that would be in, in the running, Mbappe, perhaps, you know, just... Uh, offers a little less to to the way that PSG play because he's very much a a forward forward, whereas Depay, as I say, drops deeper and creates as well. Neymar is capable of doing all that, but at the moment, I think Depay's doing it better. If he continues in this in this form until the end of the season, um, then yeah, I mean, wh- why why not lead Leon to the title? Uh, Eleven goals is what one behind M- Mbappe mm-hmm. now for the season. It's uh, and idea. And of course, yeah, but <laughs> eleven yeah. goals and five assists, yeah, for, mm. for for Memphis. I mean, we're talking about three brilliant footballers, but I think the point that you touch on, and when I say three brilliant footballers, like Boulard Diaz doing really well, but I'm talking about <laughs> Neymar, Mbappe, and uh, and Memphis. And I think mm. what you talk about him being a leader um, is is so important. If we talk about most valuable player rather than best player, I'd say yeah, Memphis. They all follow him. You know, everything he says, everything he does. I had the pleasure of talking to Usam Awar and the respect Awar has got for Memphis Depay is absolutely huge. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, for me, definitely most valuable player in Liga in terms of what he brings to his team. Interesting talking point this week, Matt, with a, a very famous statistical platform bringing out the values of footballers in France. And speaking of how valuable a player is, Neymar was only valued at 35 million euros. Wow, and uh, and they received there was a it was a huge talking point as well saying there's 18 months left on his contract he's 28 years eight he hasn't played much football the last three years he's had critical injuries but, that was purely uh, sporting value it was an algorithm that, no, so uh, so they're bringing came out. they're bringing it into context the, the the contract and stuff so obviously Memphis's value would not be that high considering he's only got six months left as well but it it it's a, a question of what intrinsically is value we had this discussion at the start of the season with Memphis saying the transfer Leon will be able to get 15 20 million for him with one year left to go to Barcelona and and we said but you'll get more than that if they qualify for the Champions League and so for Jean-Michel Olas the the value of 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 Depay was in keeping him not selling him to try and get that side to qualify and it looks like it's it's working for mm. him well we've got a, a big transfer special chat coming later in the pod we'll be talking notably about uh, Moussa Dembele uh uh, Memphis Depay's attacking colleague. But before we get into transfers, let's talk about the uh, the big matches. Um, after the 2-2 between Rennes and Lyon, we're going to talk about Paris Saint-Germain against Brest. It was Maurizio Pochettino's second game in charge. The first one finished 1-1 away to Saint-Étienne. Uh, Robbie Thompson was at the Parc des Princes to commentate PSG Brest. Di Maria, who was disappointing against Saint-Étienne. Ball in the head of Marquinhos and an easy finish. For Moise Keane. Two goals in two games for the Italian to kick off 2021. Mbappe still. 
Still going, still going. The cutback, and there is the goal. And it is Mauro Icardi. Fabulous assist from Kylian Mbappe. His fifth assist of the season. And just two minutes after being denied by a fabulous Larsonur save, Mauro Icardi gets his first goal back from injury. That's a good ball for Icardi again. The little back heel for Sarabia on his left foot, Pablo Sarabia! And he scores his first goal of 2021 as well. It's been a more difficult season for Pablo Sarabia this year. He really got amongst the goals last season. He struggled this year physically. Robbie, a 3-0 victory then, as we heard for Paris Saint-Germain. It wasn't perhaps as easy, though, as the scoreline suggests. Brest were, were in the game up until quite a late stage. Yeah, it wasn't one-way traffic. It was, it was in Paris's favour all the same. I think a lot of people were impressed by just the, the courage that Brest showed. But they had one shot through Romain Fevre in, uh, after five minutes. And then I think the next chance for them, real clear-cut chance um, with a shot against Keylor Navas came midway or late on in the, in the second half. So in terms although, of pure although, chances... Sorry to cut you off in your prime. There was that brilliant move where Cardona was played through and he just overran yeah, it. And he overran it. Yeah. Well, that, his that, touch, that heavy touch. pitch-length yeah. move. But Absolutely. And they were dangerous on the counter-attack. And that's what I mean by their, their, their courage. They, I mean, we can talk about uh, the match so, so quickly, what happened. You had the, the, the first goal, um, and I'm just checking my notes because it was so long ago. Moise Keane, uh, which looked like offside and probably would have been offside, um, except that there was, it was a short corner routine, and hence a lot of people criticise short corners for not really understanding why teams almost always, well, often go with short corners now. Um, it's because you cause havoc with the opposition defenders. You have to bring their last forward back, so he has to defend as well. You often have someone come out short to try and block the, the short corner. And that was exactly the case. They had two players there for the short corner. So Brest had a player 10 metres from the corner and he didn't step out with the rest of the defence. So he kept everyone on side. Marquinhos's header came back off the post and Moise Keane was a yard out to head it into the empty net. And from then on, it was a very even contest. Larsenur made a few spectacular saves. He's a, he's a fine keeper, um, unorthodox but fine keeper. Um, and then the changes came from the bench. We saw Mauro Icardi come on, Pablo Sarabia come on, and they both got goals because I think in the end it just was too much. The Paris's dominance against this courageous counter-attacking Ren side, but when you just sit back and try and defend and, and hit on the counter-attack, it, 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 if you don't score, which Brest could have done, they could have got that, that goal, but they didn't. And in the end, you, you pay the penalty for that Mauro Cardi, a, a fine finish after excellent lead-up play from an altruist uh, Kylian Mbappe and then Pablo Sarabia with a, a good goal for his confidence as well. Rob, I, I just want to ask you about Icardi because he looked really sharp and we've almost kind of forgotten about him because he's taken so long to come back from injury and Moise Keane has, has come in and, and scored the goals, nine goals in the mm-hmm. league now for Moise Keane already. Mm-hmm. Um, but Icardi, just a, a reminder there, for Pochettino, he's a top player, isn't he? Absolutely. I don't think uh, Pochettino will have forgotten Icardi, but Icardi has only played five minutes in the last three months before. So there's been a lot of talk in France. Moise Keane has taken Mauro Icardi's place in the Paris Saint-Germain squad. Is this going to be a problem? What's going to happen when... It's not a problem. Icardi's been injured for three months. Moise Keane has been playing and, and scoring goals. Fantastic. Now you have a competition for places. Let's not forget you also have Kylian Mbappe who can play and likes playing this number nine role, because when a certain Neymar comes back, if uh, Paris continue to play in this hybrid 4-2-3-1-4-3-3 with someone on the left, someone in the middle, and someone on the right up front, those people at the moment being Mbappe on the left, Keane, Icardi in the middle, and Di Maria on the right, when Neymar comes back, you're going to have a, a find a place for Kylian Mbappe as well. I've got a little bit of a man crush on Mauro Icardi for the way he wears that sort of Basque beret around. He just looks so cool wearing <laughs> and, it. And posts it on his yeah, social yeah. media He's accounts. Just chilling, Absolutely. We're chilling with like half, half a farm on Edinson the barbecue Cavani in front went, of him. went strongly on the, the South American or the Uruguayan beret as well. Oh, right. It's yeah. a South American yeah, one, you can I think confirm. It is. They're, right. they're, uh, uh, I, I, I don't want to 
run into any say any terms for South American mm. cowboys or anything that might be <laughs> might get me in trouble. Well, um, but uh, we'll continue, lads. We'll continue this chat after the pod. The fashion, the fashion. Yeah, Beret, Icardi, yeah Icardi uh, is really cool. But I just wanted to bring it back to to football. You touched on um, formations and stuff. What have you noticed, Robbie? Uh, two games into the Pochettino era, I commentated the PSG Saint-Étienne game. I noticed that, yes, Verratti was playing a slightly more advanced role. He did contribute his first assist as well of the season. Um, but, you know, in concrete terms, tell us what's changed in the PSG setup. Uh, Verratti is playing higher up. That's the main difference. I mean, that is the main difference of what we've seen. Marquinhos is playing very much central defender and not stepping forward. There's no more of this, this playing out and switching to three at the back that we saw for a long time with one of the central defenders stepping into midfield. Um, Marco Verratti playing, they're, they're trying not to say he's playing as a number 10 because around people seem not to want to say that it's a, a 4-2-3-1 with him playing as a playmaker. I think the sports journalists have been calling him this real number eight role. Look, I mean, what, is, what does all this mean? He's, he's playing behind the striker. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, we're seeing a new style to his game as well and something that hasn't been asked of him perhaps so far at Paris Saint-Germain, but it's not a new role for him. He plays this role with the Italian national team where he is the creative force of, of the Italian national team. He plays in what is a, a number 10-ish type role there as well. That's the big change. Otherwise, in terms of, of pressing, yes, they try and press high up the pitch. Yes, they have um, phases of play and new ways of circulating the ball which are trying to get the ball wide, trying to push up. But, I mean, a lot of it is modern football. I don't think it's... Uh, there's been no Pochettino revolution tactically And he hasn't had stage. much time on the no, training exactly. ground and he's got, he's, he's got players out. Three days before the game against Saint-Étienne, three more days before the game against Brest and now four days before Marseille. There's not a lot of time at the moment to, to, yeah. to start over. It's funny, though. I, I always remember the tournament I worked on in 2002, an under-21 tournament, and I remember Andrea Pirlo coming through and Pirlo was the guy, you know, Verratti has, has always been compared to Andrea Pirlo. He was a number 10 in that tournament, Pirlo, and he was phenomenal. And through his career, I think, you know, as he matured, he dropped deeper and he started, you know, he basically played as the, uh, the quarterback, you know, the guy in front, in, in, in front of the defence. And that's kind of the role that Verratti has assumed more and more. I think it's really interesting that Pochettino does seem to want to use Verratti higher up the pitch where he can hurt defences more. I know our good friend David Crossan is very tough on Verratti, saying he doesn't make any sort of risky passes. He's just always you know, sideways passes. Armel, are you, are you, are you in agreement? I, I think it's an interesting challenge anyway, whether it's going to work, whether it'll just be the, um, the prod that Verratti needs to take him up to that next level remains to be seen. But I think it's going to be interesting. I think it'll be very interesting. I'm with you there. Um, I think it's also pretty hilarious because Verratti is a guy who just tries to do everything to avoid shooting at goal. Mm. And he had in, a shot in the first three minutes yeah. and it was saved. And in but. that in that role, um, I think I think it's quite clever. I was thinking about it whilst Robbie was, was talking there that to put someone like Verratti when you've got such pace, such quality in the front three, to put Verratti just behind the sort of central striker in it, a guy that, as I say, doesn't seems to just not enjoy shooting at goal because... There'll be so many passes that defenders aren't expecting now. There could be a, a chance creation rate that will be higher than when you're playing a classic number 10 behind them. So it's, it's, uh, it's something we'll have to keep an eye on. Absolutely, but it needs to be compensated. I think and our, our dear colleague David Crossan's criticisms of a, of, a, of a Marco Verratti that doesn't do enough in an attacking sense is to not see the work he does in, not necessarily in a defensive sense, but he's always sliding around. He's always arguing with players. He's always getting in players' feet and, and tackling. And it's not necessarily the most efficient. He's not the best defender in the world. But he does. He's an incredible help to the defenders when they have the ball. Because when they need a pass, even if it's in their own box, even if they're under pressure, you give the ball to Marco Verratti on the it. edge of your box. He's not going to lose it. He's going to play you out of trouble. And there, that doesn't get recognised in the statistics. But it is a huge burden to carry in that PSG side. The likes of Idrissa Garnagay, Marquinhos when he plays in there, Danilo Pereira, they don't have that same ability to to hold on to the football under pressure. They can play their way out, they can they can they can burst through a tackle, but Verratti is he's just an incredible incredible source to for those defenders to have someone they know they can look for Verratti and they're not going to panic. You're listening to Robbie Thompson, producer of This Is Paris, the weekly Paris Saint-Germain 
magazine show. Um, speaking here on Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. If you've got any questions, do send them in using our email, league1podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter. We do love to get feedback from you. Um, and by the way, we're going to uh, bring in our Deja Who section now. So time to, to listen carefully. And if you think you know the identity of the player we're talking about, do, um, do get in touch. Last week's clue... Um, it was this. I was born a stone's throw from PSG's training ground and joined the club aged six. I never made a first team appearance for them. However, my senior debut came in Brittany. Having moved to the capital of Britain, I am now temporarily enjoying life in Olympic surroundings. The answer is the uh, the Arsenal midfielder, currently on loan at Hertha Berlin, Matteo Genduzzi. Um, we had an incorrect answer from Liam Wraith, who usually gets them right, but Liam went for West Ham's Syed Ben-Rama. Correct answers from Edward Scott. Edward Scott. Um, no relation to Andy Scott, I don't think. Chris Sabo from Hungary. Thomas de Roy, Adam Cyrilnik and Habib Bar. Well done, you guys. If you think you know the answer to this week's uh, Deja Who, send us an email, league1podcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag Le on Twitter. Here we go. I was born in a football-mad city in France, but didn't grow up there, leaving the country when I was just four. I have played for France, but have never played for a French club. Neither has my famous brother, who's also been European champion. Our dad did, though. I'd have been snowed in this weekend with my former club, and it's not much warmer at my current one. There you go, a tough one from Ian Holyman. If you think you know, use... uh, either the hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter or league1podcast at gmail.com. And by the way, do give us a rating on uh, the different platforms. We welcome um, your ratings and your feedback. Spotify, uh, Google, Apple, Deezer. We are present Le Bourgeois on all of those platforms. Back to the football. Nîmes against Lille was the game that I had the uh, pleasure of uh, commentating on Saturday night. Here is what happened as bottom of the table Nîmes entertain title-chasing Lille at the Stade de Costières. Bit of space for Bomber. Jonathan Bomber into the box, the cross, and Burek Yilmaz pounces on the defensive mistake, and Lille, with their first clear chance, have the lead. Burek Yilmaz continues to show he is a sensational signing for Lille. It's his ninth league on goal already this season. The 35-year-old Turkish legend just doesn't miss at the moment. So in all honesty, a fairly uneventful game. It was played at quite a slow pace. Lille will be delighted to have got the victory thanks to Burak Yilmaz's goal, an opportunist strike after Luka Dohadir made a bit of a mess of uh, of clearing a cross. Um, and I think, you know, as far as Lille are concerned, they lost at home to Angers. That was a big setback on Wednesday night. They just wanted to get the three points. Um, it was tense from a Neem point of view. They were thrashed 5-0 against Strasbourg on Wednesday night and uh, the coach, Jérôme Arpignon, is coming under huge pressure from the supporters who are calling for him to resign. Um, there were several hundred supporters um, accompanying the team bus to, to the Stade de Costières in a very hostile fashion, like I say, calling for Arpignon to uh, to stand down. So, look, it wasn't easy for Neem and I think they were reasonably satisfied with the fact that they... Um, played in a combative, organised way and, and denied Lille chances. But ultimately, it's a, it's another defeat for them. Um, I think it's one point from eight games now for, for Nîmes. They're in big trouble. And you do wonder if Gérard Marpignon um, will have to be replaced. They've brought in Pascal Planck, who is uh, very experienced. Don't laugh, Armel. Pascal Planck in French is not a funny name. He's my new favourite. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he's a very experienced coach um, and he's come in as Arpignon's assistant. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see. But honestly, they barely troubled Lille's defence. And it was, if not a comfortable win, it was certainly as comfortable as a as a 1-0 win can be. And, uh, you know, Robbie, I think for, for Lille, it was a case of just making sure they got those three points. Um, recouping, they've, uh, they've got Renato Sanchez back from injury. He played the last 20 minutes or, or so. First football he's had for Lille in two months. Um, so, you know, I, I would say from a Lille point of view, you talked, Robbie, about Leon being worried about their performances. Lille's performances haven't been great, actually, since the restart. 
but getting the three points was was what mattered. Yeah, absolutely. Just a quick word on on Nim because let's not forget that Nim's problems aren't just from from the last uh, eight weeks or one point in eight weeks. They only just survived the drop last season. They may not have survived the drop if the season had gone all the way. We will never know, but they finished, I think, 18th place. They're only two relegated, two promoted. They didn't have to go through the playoffs, but they were they were in trouble already last season. Um, they don't have, you know, they have problems scoring goals. Renaud Ripard has been playing, well, he can play in nearly any position in the side. He's not a pure goal scorer. Nolan Roux is probably a pure goal scorer, but in terms of his style, in terms he hasn't, also he hasn't scored yet this season, and he right? hasn't scored, and he's another one that's not he's not prolific. And then uh, Ferrat Eliasson, Eliasson, new player, not a bad player, I don't think, but a, a wide man and in a struggling side. He's a he's a dribbler. He's an attacking flair player. It's it's not easy for in that situation for him to settle. They've changed their coach. Uh, you know, things are things are are not looking good for him. Also, Rob, um, I said this in the commentary because I, I think it's you know one of one of the maybe the few good points I made in the commentary. But I do think that Neem have probably been penalised more than any other club by having to play behind closed doors in, in every game because that mm-hmm. small compact stadium, that incredibly passionate support they have, it, we've seen haven't since they returned to League I, it's been so important to them, and to lose that, I think. I think it's a, a massive blow. Mm-hmm. Strasbourg as well, I think one of the main reasons why they're struggling, well, why they have been struggling, is also been playing at an empty La uh, I totally agree with you for Neem, two clubs that rely hugely on the... Uh, financially uh, as well. Financially as well, of course, because they, they tend to fill up every available seat. But Neem, of course, some of you watch Ligue 1 closely or know that there's a stand that's not open for safety reasons, but every other seat in the house is is sold equally at Strasbourg. So I think that's a good point. Yeah, they've definitely been struggling because of that. For Lille, have we not had a little change in formation as well over the last few weeks with them? It's not the the classic four four two or that you know or that we've often mm. seen from 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 Galtier. Maybe maybe he sees something in training where his players aren't on song or he's only playing with really one leader up front at the moment. And is or, this an issue or or He's switching things up because teams have had time to uh, time to watch mm-hmm. the way they've been playing the first half of the season, and it might be taking two or three weeks for this new style to 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 really gel. But who knows? He might be two steps ahead of the game. Christoph Galtier well, wouldn't I mean, be it, it, him. It, it, I am w- looking now at the it was four four two. Yeah, and it was a four four. No, at so. the weekend it, it was a four four two. That Burak Yilmaz and Jonathan Ikoni as the front two. But Timothy is not an out and out striker. No, that's what I was going to say. Timothy yeah. Weir wide right, Jonathan Bomber wide left. But Ikoni, yeah, was dropping into the midfield mm. a lot. Where they were sort of swapping positions with Timothy Weir as well. He was going through the middle. Um, that yeah, I think Galtier is perhaps a little bit more conservative are following a, a, a defeat. Galtier, by the way, said that he regretted giving his players so much time off over mm. over Christmas because he wanted to give them an extended break knowing that they've got Europa League and, and lots of games to play in the second half to the season. But he kind of blamed that extended break. He said that was the reason for the, for the loss against Angers. So, you know, you talk a lot about PSG, you know, having a lot of injuries and a lot of matches to, to negotiate and Lille as well with the their same, European yeah. uh, games. So I think we have to be indulgent um, in, in, in some respect. But they do have a good squad. And yeah, I, I, I think, you know, Renato, he played 20 minutes or so. His energy, his quality is going to be a big boost for them in, in, in the coming weeks. So at the top of the standings then, Leon, 40 points from 19 games, one point ahead of PSG and Lille. Now in fourth position, Monaco have moved above uh, Rennes. A 3-0 victory for uh, Kovac's team against Angers. Another goal for Kevin Volland, who... Robbie sneakily, as predicted, will be the top scorer in Ligue 1. Well, he's uh, started 2021 in good good fashion. He's obviously been listening to, to Robbie's uh, very mm-hmm. encouraging Building comments. Building him up. <laughs> uh, Dijon nil, Marseille nil. Good point for lowly Dijon. Disappointing result that for, for OM. Uh, Lance nil, Strasbourg won. So, uh, yeah, Thierry Laurie's team starting 2021 really well. Six points from two games. Montpellier won, Nantes won. Interestingly, uh, loser... The player who scored Dominic's first goal since he's come back. I wonder if that's apt or is am I being harsh? I'm being harsh. Good goal from Imran Loser to, to get a point against Montpellier. Uh, Mets won, Nice won. William Saliba uh, turning in a very encouraging performance. Two games in three days for Saliba. And uh, he may well be giving Nice the stability uh, they they need. We'll wait and see 
if they bring in any more players. Bordeaux 2, Lorient 1. Lorient still in, in big trouble. Rouse 3, Saint-Etienne 1. Two more goals for Boulaidia. 11 for the season now for, for Boulaidia. Let's talk transfers. 12, no? 12. I think he's 12. up uh, level yeah. with Killian Ooh, now. Yeah. 12 for Boulaidia. I'm very, very sorry. We are actually going to mention him. Um, let's talk transfers. Terran Moffi goal for Lorient as oh. well, gentlemen, away to Bordeaux. We've got a soothsayer <laughs> here. Let's try again. Let's talk transfers. We're going to start with Moussa Dembele because as we speak on this uh, Monday lunchtime, he is on the brink of completing a lone move to Atletico Madrid, the uh, the Leon striker who has uh, found himself on the outer somewhat this season, on the bench a lot. Um, according to AS, the uh, Spanish newspaper, oh, right. the purchase option is 35 million euros. Marker claim it's 33 million euros. There does seem to be um, a buyout clause in the deal that, that Leon are discussing. Um, disappointed to hear that Moussa Dembele is leaving and maybe leaving permanently. What what do we think, guys? Janinho uh, said on Saturday night that Dembele made it pretty clear he'd lost motivation to play for Leon. So once a player said that, no point in keeping him. So I think well, it's, it's a, a slightly hard. He, he said he was losing motivation because he'd been left out so so much. He didn't say he's not motivated to play for Leon anymore. I mean, well, if you're but, not yeah, motivated yeah. because you're being left out, no, then but you're, you're right, not going to get your place yeah. back. Questioning the player's motivation is well, Leonardo Janinho uh, <laughs> is either uh, criticizing the player or the coach if he's if he says it like that now. I think he's probably criticising the player because yeah. his team are top of the table. So. And he's a, he was always a good team player, Janinho, and I think uh, he's got that spirit as well. I think it's a big loss. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Moussa Dembele. I think he's a really a fantastic player. I think he's deceptively quick. I think he's excellent back to goal. I think mm. he's, he's, a, he's a poacher. He's clinical. He's cold-blooded in front of goal. I think he's good in the air. I think he's really... And I thought last season... Well, 15 goals the last two seasons, I think. He's top scorer the last two yep, seasons. that's right. He's, I mean, he's shown, and he was not far from taking that next step, I think. I think more than anything, he's like to really becoming a, a top scorer in the league, one of the top scorers in, in European football. I think, if anything, it's the, the formation that, that Rudy Garcia is playing with this false nine in Depay that's just because he is a real number nine. And there's no I Leon don't right. play with the real playing, number nine. He's paying a price for the fact that it didn't quite work with Depay, and although mm. if Dembele plays, he has to play through the middle, and Depay wants to play through the middle. Yeah. Mm. So, but but you're right. I mean, he and is, Depay is excellent. He's so. a quality player, and that is the reason I think why why he's not accepting staying on the Leon bench. Just and looking, 35 million is a lot of money as yeah. well, especially yeah. in these times, as we said, these times. But. Uh, it's a lot of money. Atletico are a very good team. Armel, just looking at his stats, 32 goals in 76 league games for Leon. That's pretty good. It's even better when you consider that um, 16 of those appearances have come this season, mainly from the bench, just one goal. Mm-hmm. So if we take out this season, wow. yeah. he's mm-hmm. on 32 from 60 matches, which is better than a goal every two games. Um, so look, Atletico are getting a good player. Um, Leon want to replace him. The suggestion is they're going to try to bring in Islam Slimani uh, on loan from Leicester City. Armel, you're shaking your head. Yeah, I don't get that one. He he was he was he was good at Monaco, but I mean he acted mainly as a foil for for Ben Yedder, who uh, who seemed to enjoy having Slimani alongside him and occasionally passed him the ball so he could score as well. But I I, I oh that's a bit rough. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I just don't I don't see him being of the same value to a squad as Moussa Dembele, of no, course. But it's hard, it's hard to get a player in knowing that he's going to be back up who is of the same standing as, as Moussa Dembele. I'm wary mm. as well because I'm not quite sure why he hasn't been involved at all with Leicester City this season. Mm. Um, so he's going, to be, he's going to be rusty. But, you know, you're, you're buying an international player who knows Ligue 1 and who has mm-hmm. some quality or you're getting somebody like that in on loan. So I, I can understand the logic as well. Robbie, you watched uh, PSG Brest. You watched Romain Fevre on uh, Saturday night. The Sun, I don't know how reliable this is, but the Sun in England uh, suggesting that PSG and Manchester United are watching the France under-21 international midfielder. Well, I think everyone has been watching Romain Fevre so far this season. Mm. So that doesn't surprise me so much. I think that's a bit of a non, non-news piece, if yeah. you like. I mean, yeah, yeah. everyone is watching... Every France under-21 international, I think, probably. All the big clubs will be monitoring and, and knowing what's going on. But Romain Fevre was excellent against, mm. against Paris Saint-Germain. He is an excellent young footballer. He played as a second striker 
almost he can play wide on the right he played a central role and with the maturity and everything at 20 years of age uh quality quality footballer could have scored the opening goal maybe would have changed the the way of the game but he was at the heart of everything all those counterattacks the one with Cardona uh, midway through the first half was was Fav's timing of that pass to to spring the offside trap but also earlier in the move on the left-hand side the timing of his passes one two down the wing under pressure to create that counterattack was was spectacular he is an excellent player he takes the free kicks he 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 does it all in this team and you know you're getting a, a decent player when he's come through the Monaco academy at Brest last season, they had uh, um, Diallo uh, Ibrahima, is it? Mm-hmm. Abdu's yeah. brother. Yeah. Yeah. Ibrahima Diallo, Roma Fev and Ivan Cardona, all from the same generation yeah. of the Monaco the Academy. Monaco Academy yeah. We know Cardona's quality. Diallo went for big money to the Premier League and Roma Fev proving that he's cut from the same cloth. Yeah, he I, will. I don't know if he's going to go to PSG or whether... I well, mean, I or, don't think, Rob, yeah. I don't think he's going to go in January. One, I don't think Brest um, will want to sell him in January. Um, two, I don't think it's great for him. He's only been at Brest for half a season. He's got four goals in 19 appearances so far. You know, he's a 22-year-old who didn't get the playing time he wanted at, at Monaco. He needs to have mm. a full season. I think mm-hmm. I think he will recognise that and Brest will probably recognise that if he carries on like this, his value will be more in the summer as well. So one one to keep our eyes on definitely. And he's only just signed on again, I think, a little extension after those first uh, six months as well. And well, we want to keep players season. like that in Ligue 1. Come Absolutely. on, Roman Fevre, you're going to stay here. Uh, Marseille have been quite busy in the last few days. Uh, Kevin Strotman uh, being loaned to Genoa. That will be a relief in some respects because he was a very big salary um, that wasn't really being used at all by Andre Villas-Boas this season. Rumours that Nemanja Radonjic, the Serb um, winger, could also be loaned out. Uh, Marseille have brought in a fullback, Paul Lirola, on loan from uh, Fiorentina, a Spanish uh, fullback. They've got an 11 million euro buyout option. So that's not done. As I speak, he's supposed to be having his medical on Monday, so today. Um, Vias Boas has admitted that Arkadusz Milik, the Polish international striker, is among their targets for uh, for the centre-forward position. Vias Boas admits it will be difficult to get the Napoli man but they desperately want a striker. And vs Boas has made it clear that Luis Enrique, who they bought last summer, isn't the number nine that they want. He's more of a wide attacking player, according to the Portuguese coach. Um, but he always said that he wasn't the player for this season, Andre villas Boas. He always said it's a, a, it's a player for the future. We don't expect him to, to do wonders immediately. I remember when all the transfer saga was happening, they had this pepite, this little starlet that was on their way. And Andre villas Boas always said, but it's not... It's not the player to finish top scorer this season. He needs a bit of time. But Robbie um, or Armel, feel free to come in on this. Marseille need a striker, don't they? I think they got 22 goals in the first half of the season only in 15 mm-hmm. matches. They fired blanks nil-nil um, at the weekend against Dijon. And we, you know, Benedetto has kind of woken up a little bit in the last month. He started scoring some goals. Uh, we all know that Valais Germain doesn't like playing as a lone striker and Vias Boas it seems, will only play with one up top. They've got to do something. Well, yeah, they very much have to. They've scored 25 goals this season. That's as many as Angers. I'm just looking now. Lens have scored more. Montpellier have scored more. Rennes have scored more. And, you know, these, okay, bar Montpellier, who do have a couple of very good strikers, these are teams that don't have an established uh, out-and-out goal scorer. So, I can't rent in that because obviously Garassi's been injured for a few weeks. But uh, yeah, Marseille do. If they if they want to kick on, if they want to qualify for Champions League football again, they need a striker. Yeah, I commentated their game against Montpellier in, in midweek, um, just before their, their nil-nil there. And uh, they scored three goals. They came, uh, Radonjic, incidentally, got, got the opener. Um, I don't mind Nemanja Radonjic. I know he's much decried and... and People and he probably hasn't done enough. I mean, it's fair to say he hasn't performed certainly consistently. Uh, he was at quite Marseille. an expensive recruit as well. As, as well, yes. But he is, and this is—I uh, don't know if, what can we read into this. And this is a bit uh, sensationalist journalism. He will be the player in the press conference before the Trophée des Champions against Paris Saint-Germain. Marseille <laughs> have just announced. So does wow. that mean? Well, does that mean he's on on his way out? Or maybe you, there's just huge interest in the Trophée des Champions in Serbia. Well, perhaps, or the, or they they couldn't find another player to uh to a step up. But he's back. He's scoring. Um, yeah. Look, for Marseille, it was always about one thing. Oh, incidentally, in that game against Montpellier, Payet coming off the bench and scoring, and then looking 
daggers yeah. at the yeah. bench well, to Andre Villas Boas. There is something going on at the moment. Absolutely, between... he was furious at yeah. being left out of the side. Um, he got his goal. He made that point very clearly. Um, but Marseille, they need Tovan to score goals. Tovan's been linked with a move away as of January as well. Uh, Payet's there. He's an important player, an important figure in, in their attacking lineup. Benedetto, as we know, is, is has not necessarily shown he's the number nine that Marseille need. Look, they have problems up front, yes. Payet on the bench again against Dijon. He came on for the last half hour for Radonjic, but there is clearly a bit of a um, a game or a, a challenge being laid down by Villas-Boas. Something going on between the two of them. We'll keep our eyes on that. We've got a question more sort of looking generally at, at Marseille and comparing them to other clubs. It's a question that was sent in by Adam Cyrilnik, who says, Bonjour les gars. Uh, I know you guys don't do too many questions. Oh, yes, we do, Adam. You've got to send them in and then we do them. R-O-M, the anti-Leon in terms of selling and buying players. Most of the players they sign get sold on for less money or are completely unwanted. I don't recall many clubs in the past having so many unwanted players. Germain, Strutman, and in the past, Mitroglou, and perhaps Enrique in the future. It is very concerning to me. Um, Armel, he, he, makes, he makes a good point. Uh, there seems... To be a lack of cohesion. We know they've changed sporting directors with Antona, sorry, Antero Enrique. Now he was a, a PSG. Anthony Zubizarreta leaving in the summer. Pablo Longoria has has come in, but that doesn't help, does it, when you're changing sporting directors? No, and it's it's symbolic of the point that uh, Adam's making is that just purely in terms of transfers, is it's not really clicking for for Marseille. And you look at they. They had that plan, didn't they? I think in uh, Labrun, La uh, Vincent Labrun's last last season, where they brought in uh, like Karim Rekic, Lucas Ocampos, and I think the only the only guy that's still left from that is uh, Hiroki Sakai. And I think you know that's sort of the post Bielsa um, era. If you start from when when Bielsa departed the club, hasn't really been. Is Mitroglou still there? Yeah, he's still there. Yeah. Apart from perhaps Luis Gustavo, who's come back and since left, I can't really think of a, a, a real quality signing that that Marseille have brought well, they in. Spent, yeah, they spent big money on on Payet. They spent big money in terms of salary on Kevin, Sar, Kevin Strotman. That was a good Sar. signing from yeah. a, a club that produced good young talents, and that was perhaps a the, more the sort of deal that Marseille need to make. But you know, you just got to watch the Europa League really and, and, and pick out some decent players from from teams that perhaps Marseille don't usually look at. There's there's bargains to be made in European football. Yeah, Pep Gay might turn out to be a good yeah. uh Pep Gay might be good, them. absolutely. They've 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 signed players as well on loan with uh, buyout yeah, clauses. Of loan players. Uh, yeah. Leonardo Bellerdi they're they're hoping will will come good and maybe will be worth uh, signing on a permanent deal. Who was the other Puissance. guy they bought? Alvaro was alone. Puissance they've they've spent quite good money on. Yeah, uh, Alvaro's come in. He w- he was a good signing, no question yeah. about mm. that. Um, so yes, we will we'll have to keep our eyes. I mean, you know, you've got to give Pablo Longoria um, a chance to to weave his magic in the transfer market. Absolutely, but this was something that they struggled to do. And if you're changing sporting directors regularly this is this changes the whole direction of your your club you know you have he works with different agents or he works with has a different vision of football he's got to, he's got to create a relationship with the coach and we know the coach was very close with Zubi Zareta we know that they had this champions project when McCourt came in that put in a certain amount of money but that money is not necessarily there at the moment either they're a club with a big stadium with very passionate fans that are that are going to be struggling without with you know behind closed doors. All of this are all factors why why this is a difficult period, not just for Marseille, but but for a big club like Marseille in particular, where big clubs when the money dries up really struggle. Look at AC Milan uh, a few years ago as well, were a big club that suddenly were on the skids, and it, and it's difficult to bounce back. It takes time. They're in a situation now where arguably their best player, certainly one of their most valuable players, Florian Tovin. Is out of contract in the summer, so mm-hmm. there, there's every chance they'll lose him on a free. So yeah, a lot of work to do at Marseille, um, but we'll see. We'll see. They've got a very good coach. They, we know that Marseille have got a phenomenal fan base, a wonderful stadium. The uh, the basis is there, but there's work to do, no question. Um, we'll be back with more updates, of course, regarding the transfers next week. Um, 
just before we finish, we are going to look forward to next weekend, um, a full round of matches to come. We also have a special game on Wednesday night, uh, a classic between Paris Saint-Germain and Marseille. It's the Trophée de Champion, which has been uh, pushed back. It couldn't take place in the summer. PSG, the champions, Marseille, uh, who finished second in the league. Um, that'll be an interesting one, but we're going to focus on the league on action uh, next weekend. It's time for a Bon Voyage. So among the big matches next weekend, games that uh, if you're in the UK, you can watch on BT Sport. Montpellier versus Monaco is the Friday night clash, 9pm in France, 8pm uh, in the UK. Paris Saint-Germain in action against Angers. Uh, that's at the Stade Roman Copper on Saturday night, 9pm uh, French time, 8pm in the UK. Uh, and as far as Sunday's big games are concerned, we've got the uh, the Brittany derby, one of the big Brittany derbies, Brest against Rennes. 1pm in France, 12 o'clock in the UK. Lille, uh, joint top at the moment. They play host to Rouse at uh, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Lyon-Metz is the Sunday night, 9 o'clock game. Watch it live on BT Sport, 8pm in the UK. Armel Tangi, where are you going? I do this all the time, don't I? It's not because it's a Breton derby this time, (laughs) but Brest-Ren, I think, is set up to be a very, very interesting encounter with Ren. Sorry, with Brest kind of needing to reassure themselves, having lost to PSG, um, but still playing fantastically fluid football against a Ren team who appear to only be growing and only be getting better. I think that's the one to look out for, for me anyway. Uh, yeah, Saturday night, Angers-PSG for me, because I really like this Angers side. I think there's something about them. They're, they're, they remind me of the Angers side that came up a few years ago that was so organised, so difficult to beat, with a little bit of underrated quality as well, which they didn't have perhaps the last season and a half, where things they tried to play more attacking football, they tried to play with possession. It's, it's not their qualities. And even though they concede six, five, six goals every time they come to Paris to play Paris Saint-Germain, often the matches at the Stade Raymond Copper are not so one-sided. And they've just beaten Marseille and Lille in the past month mm-hmm. as well. So. Yep. Well, plenty of interesting games this weekend. I'm going to head to Nice. Nice taking on Bordeaux, um, essentially because I want to watch... A bit of sunshine. I want no, to watch... Saliba. William Saliba, because <laughs> I, think, I think he's an excellent young player who mm. has had a really, really hard time um, and hasn't played football for 10 months. Uh, he has been loaned to Nice. Since he's joined Nice, he's had a very busy... First week, had his medical on Monday, made his He's debut. He's desperate to have a busy week, isn't he? Debut away to Brest on Wednesday and then played again on Saturday. Um, he's been widely considered Nice's best player in those two matches. So I'm, I'm pleased for him that he's playing again and I want to see him play. So I'm going to go to Nice to see them play Bordeaux. Should be fun. Salibur against Koscielny. It's, it's all With a, Jeff Ren Adelaide as well. Whoa, your brain all big all Arsenal links in there. Absolutely. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I'm looking forward to the weekend. We'll be back, of course, with all the... Uh, the latest news and chats uh, next week. Thank you very much for joining us on Le Bourgeois, the official League and podcast in association with our friends at BT Sports. Time to say goodbye from Robbie Thompson, Armel Tangi, me, Matt Spiro, au revoir et à très bientôt. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. Adolberg. Oh, Benyera. Beautifully done. Sensational.